I think I've told you recently that anytime you hear a sermon, and I'll, this won't really be a sermon this afternoon, but anytime you hear a sermon from me, it's at least at least secondhand. Often more than that, but at least secondhand because if you hear it, it's already been preached. It's been preached here. It's been preached to myself usually. So I hope to return to our conscience study in the afternoon sometime soon. But I want to take a brief break from that study this afternoon to remind myself of something. And I want to remind you at the same time. And it's about Jesus' counsel to us in anxiety-producing times. I had to fill my vehicle with gasoline a couple of times last week. I had some business travel, so I had to fill up twice in a week, and it cost me more than it's ever cost me my whole life. And the Friday fill-up was several dollars more than the Monday fill-up. And I stayed in a hotel most of the week away from my family. And after long weekdays, Eric, there was not much to do in the evening except watch March Madness and the news. And I saw reporting of a pediatric hospital being bombed. And I saw video footage of long lines of civilians fleeing from Ukrainian cities And I saw very, very disturbing footage of multiple bodies being hastily thrown into a trench. Mass graves, because there was neither time nor security to have proper funerals. At least that's what was being reported. It looked real. Because of the nature of my previous job... I often stopped by the grocery store several evenings a week on my way home to pick up something for supper. So I feel like I know more about grocery prices than some males because I would often do that. I would do this on a fairly regular basis. And I've noticed a dramatic increase in the price of groceries, especially meat. even since Christmas. And Jeannie and I, a few weeks ago, saw a 20% price increase at one of our sort of go-to restaurants that we like to hit. New menus that looked almost just like the old menus, but I know we had been there about 10 days prior when the prices were significantly higher. And I could tell you some personal and familial issues that I and others close to me are going through now. Nothing bad. Just change the cares of this life. But I know you've got your own. And as my wife often reminds me, everybody's got a story. Friend, listen, are you concerned? Are you uneasy? Are you troubled? Are you apprehensive? Are you anxious? Well, if you're not, God bless you. God bless you. It's good to be in the company of saints. Very good. 
And, and if you're not uneasy, well, maybe I'll just be preaching to myself. But let me remind you this. The greatest preacher that ever preached, preached the greatest sermon ever preached. And it was a wide-ranging sermon that included a section with some very specific counsel about what to do in troubling times. Now, you know who the greatest preacher who ever preached was, don't you? And you know what the greatest sermon ever preached was, don't you? We'll turn to, turn to it. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and if you would, look down to verse 19. And, and this should be a very familiar passage to all of us. And I'm going to read from the New International Version. And listen, I want you to note that all these words are red. They're all in red. The capital W word speaks the word. And he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body than clothes, more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, listen, anxiety-producing times produce anxiety. So this is a good time to be reminded about the counsel of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, about what His disciples should be doing 
during anxiety-producing times. It's, it's really only been the last couple of years that I've become familiar with the term reframing. And it's probably because of a secular, highly secular podcast that I started listening to when I was out of work and I would take long walks um, every day. But the idea of reframing leverages the idea of how, listen, it leverages the idea of how a certain picture can look like a totally different picture just by changing the frame that that picture is in. The same picture can look very different if it's got a different frame. And listen, this can be helpful for dealing with anxiety. Most humans don't like change. Most of us are change resistant. Some do, but most are similar on this point. And changes in life disturb them. It's amazing. I know that you know this. It's amazing what people can get used to. If you've ever met someone who grew up, quote, abused, and they thought that's how life was, and you're like, how in the world did you live through that? I didn't know any different. I didn't even really know it was that bad until later somebody told me that's not the way children are supposed to be reared. You can get used to almost anything. And sometimes moving out of a bad situation can disturb someone. Because, as we know, that humans can get used to almost anything. But listen, reframing can be as simple as looking at things from a different perspective. Maybe a divine perspective, since we're Christians, we're talking about this. Maybe, well, think about this. Here's a negative. She's so sensitive. Be careful around her. She's so sensitive. Well, that could be reframed as she responds well to praise. Hmm? You see, it's looking at the same thing differently. Here's an example of reframing. The original frame is this. All this change is stressing me out. This is not good. What in the world is going to happen to me? Here's the reframe. When things are changing, opportunity abounds. This is a great thing, time to be alive because things are changing and God's with me. Notice, notice, nothing external changed at all. It's the same picture, you're right, right? It's exactly the same picture. I just attempted to put the situation, the picture, into a different perspective, a different light, a different frame. So, reframing. So the idea of reframing is to consciously, to consciously attempt to purposefully change your perspective on something. The Christian disciples 
that Jesus was preaching to in this greatest sermon ever preached, the Christian disciples were concerned. They were concerned about money, about health, about security, food, provisions, length of life, housing, stability, weren't they? Well, let me ask you something. Are you now, are you now, or have you ever been concerned about money, health, security, food, provisions, length of life, housing, stability? Well, the greatest preacher that's ever lived has a reframe for them. A redirection in their thinking of their concern. You see, they're looking at things the wrong way. Their picturing of reality really, really needs a reframe. In their calculus, listen, in their calculus, in their picturing, they're forgetting God. And saints, listen, we are not better than they. And so the master tells them, don't serve money, serve God. Don't worry about your food. God loves you and he will feed you. Don't worry about your clothes. God loves you and he'll clothe you. You're worrying about change won't affect anything except your stomach. You're looking at the world the same way the ungodly look at it. You're concerned about the very things, the very same things that they are, and that's a bad frame. And saints, here's the real reframe. Listen, the King of Kings tells them and us, seek ye, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Verse 33. There's the reframe. So the idea is this, listen, when the times are producing anxiety, when things are worrisome, we need to change our focus. We need to remember who we are and what it is that we're about. I told you, if you hear it, I've already preached it to myself, friend. And the first thing, listen, first thing, number one thing, the preeminent thing that we're to be seeking is the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Listen, are Christians supposed to be righteous? Well, beloved, listen, according to our Master, who we're supposed to be discipling ourselves after, as His disciples, according to Him, it's an order one priority. God's righteousness in us. Fruitfulness in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self 
control. And listen, the first thing we're to be seeking is the kingdom of God. And let me remind you what God's kingdom is. Well, that could be a sermon or a book. So let me just remind you of a skeletal idea about God's kingdom. The Greek word translated kingdom in Jesus' reframe is basileia. Or basilia. And it means royal power, kingship, dominion, rule. Basically the right or authority to rule a kingdom. In English, it's very apparent because... The term kingdom, etymologically, is a combination between the words king and dominion, right? So, a kingdom is the territory where a king's dominion has spread. And the kingdom of God, listen, the kingdom of God is everywhere that the government of God has prevailed. And listen, Christian... Jesus is the king. He's the king of kings. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. He's the prince of peace. And our job, preeminently, job one, is expanding his kingdom. I've shared this with you before. I've heard ill-informed people quiver and lament that the goal of Islam is world domination. But saints, let me remind you, the goal of Christianity is world domination. We're here to conquer. Aren't we? We're here to conquer, to aid and assist in the project of God to put everything under the feet of His dear Son. Now listen, we serve a good and gentle King. And our desire is that men and women and boys and girls would bow to Him now in the hour of His favor. Because if they don't bow now, they will bow later. When the embassies are closed and the ambassadors have been withdrawn and the diplomats silenced, they will bow. When his disciples were troubled about what was going on around them and how they would live in this world and make it, Jesus reframed their perspective. Do you see that? I never saw this as a reframe before until thinking about it recently. Jesus reframed their perspective. He reprioritized them. And He told them, again, the preeminent business of Christians, job one, is to seek the expansion of God's kingdom. And friends, listen, that may seem like a big job, but let me tell you something. There are millions of us. And it might be, it might be 
Actually, it probably is the case that seeking His righteousness, which is the King's dominion within us, is where we should focus, maybe. Because to the extent that we are more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, good, kind, gentle, self-controlled, the more we'll attract others to the kingdom. And we're ambassadors now. You see, it's still a time for peaceful negotiation. But wrath will come. So, brothers and sisters, if this is for nobody else, it's for me. When the world is troubled, when it seems like everything is on fire, when anxiety grips our souls because of calamities and cares and concerns, it's time for a reframe. It's time for a reframe. We need to remember. It's time to remember the priority that Jesus gave us. And to his anxious disciples, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, that's what I have for you this afternoon. Just a reminder. High as the heavens above the ground reigns the Creator, God. Wide as the whole creation's bound extends His awful rod. Let princes of exalted state to Him ascribe their crown, render their homage at His feet, and east their glories down. Know that His kingdom is supreme. Your lofty thoughts are vain. He calls you God, that awful name, but you must die like men. Then let the sovereigns of the globe not dare to just vex the just. He puts on vengeance like a robe and treads the worms to dust. Ye judges of the earth, be wise and think of heaven with fear. The meanest saint that you despise has an avenger there. Friend, remember, this is the time of God's favor. And He bids men and women, boys and girls, bow to His Son. And it is a joyful servitude, a wonderful thing. But a day is coming when that will all be over. And I don't, I don't want to be one of those that says none, nothing should concern us. That would be idiocy. I will say, and I've told you this before, I've heard people say, well, those, those saints are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And I can tell you, I have never met anyone like that yet. I would kind of like to. 
what I always need to, the preaching that I need to hear is to be more heavenly minded. To remember the Christian priority because the, the conspiracy of the world is to make me so tied to this present evil world, as Paul called it, that I forget about the new heaven and the new earth which he promises, which is my true home. Questions or thoughts? It's troubling times, friend. It cost a lot more to fill my gas tank up. A lot more. In a very short period of time. I mean, enough that I'm sitting there thinking, this can't continue. I just negotiated a salary on this new job, but I can't drive to Fort Worth every day. I'm going to... I'm so glad God put us together on this road. I love you, my traveling companions. Brother Bill, would you dismiss us?